everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. Crazy times, man. Um, I'd love to be able to start this off in a more, you know, positive manner. I, I wish I wish I were speaking to all of you under better circumstances in terms of our our world with coronavirus and our our nation with with everything that's going on right now here in the United States. I don't really have the words or the answers other than just to say keep the faith and be kind to one another, man. You know, that's something that I say at the end of every podcast if you listen to the show. Words from my grandpa who I was very close to, one of my favorite people ever in the history of human beings and I really think love is what we got to do right now, man. Treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. Just be good to people, take care of each other. Um, it's nuts. You know, this episode I actually, that you guys are going to listen to today was with, uh, my good buddy, Andy Langston. I've known him since we were freshmen in high school. And it was one of those things where it's just kind of like, you know, you get older and you, you pursue your life and, and life takes you in different directions and you get away from people sometimes, you know, unintentionally, you know, just because of where life takes you. And it was one of those things where it was, I was like, man, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to Andy in a minute, you know, it's, it's been a couple of years. And so I reached out to him because he's a guy that, uh, was always supportive musically in terms of when I started, uh, playing guitar and, and, uh, I should say noodling around on the guitar cause I live in Nashville and there's like real guitar players down here <laughs> and I am not one of those guitar players, but I do have fun with it. It's an instrument that I've always been attracted to, you know, from like, you know, the first time I heard Enter Sandman or I heard, you know, Mark Tremonti play My Own Prison and, just over the years, Seven Dust here in Waffle and, you know, Black. I mean, I could go on and on, man, about my favorite riffs. That'd be a whole different podcast. But I picked it up when I was 19 years old. And Andy is one of, if not the most musically inclined people that I know on a personal level. As you guys will hear on this this uh, this episode of the podcast, he plays guitar. He sings. Um, he plays the drums. That's what he started out was playing the drums and just has a, a really cool story, and so I was like, one, I want to catch up with Andy, and then two, if it's cool, and he wants to put our conversation out there to the people, and let him hear uh, us just, you know, shooting the breeze about music, and catching up, and, and giving you guys a little bit of his story, in terms of just, you know, going after it, you know, and I think uh, a cool thread you'll hear in here is just, just how supportive his parents were as well, and I think that's that's also really cool, so even though it's kind of a weird time, um, I'm a little like under the weather today. I don't know. I got like a little sinus thing going on just to be real, which is why I'm not like, hey, you're listening to 1028 with Mike Bauman. Um, I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have that kind of amazing energy right now, but, um, but I hope that this podcast is a silver lining in your day. If nothing else, a fun distraction from, you know, two friends who have known each other for a while and, and, you know, reconnected after a couple of years where, as you'll hear, his life took him to Illinois. Mine took took me to Tennessee. Um, and it was just great to catch up with him, man, you know, and, and I think just the tie-ins in terms of the theme of the show are definitely in here in terms of just pursuing 
what you're passionate about and, uh, you know, having people around you who are supportive in those things. So hopefully, like I said, this is just a little positive, positive part of your day amongst all of the, the chaos out there. And, and, you know, again, man, just be good to people, but, um, I don't want to be a downer, so I'm going to try to lift it up a little bit, man. But, uh, by saying just thank you to everybody who's listening to the show, um, again, you can check it out at march4th.podbean.com you can also listen to it on apple podcasts you can listen to it on the podbean app and a lot of podcast apps out there including podcast addict so thank you for supporting the show man and and checking it out i really appreciate it and i hope you guys enjoy this conversation man so without further ado here is my good buddy andy langston While you've been in quarantine and like what's have you been just uh watching shows playing music i mean what are you because yeah. people listening to this i mean like you you're probably one of the most you know musically inclined people i know because it's like you sing you can play guitar weren't you playing drums too even before was that like yeah. way back in the day with jeffrey finch yeah am i, so, am yeah, I remembering so, that right yeah yeah um yeah so that would have been i think it was ninth 95 or 96 i got a like a toy drum set from like toys r us or something like that you know like just something real real cheap but um just you know it's it's something to kind of get the the imagination going and like just like it the ability for you to like sit down on something and like bang you know and um that was that was enough for me you know like as a as a kid uh, i was probably like seven eight you know or something like that and um so it was like one of the best birthday presents i had ever received or christmas i can't remember there are the only five days apart um they all like get mashed together you know a lot of relatives are like when you when you have a birthday around christmas they're always like oh here's your combined christmas and birthday gift so there's a lot of that when i was growing up so i totally got gypped But that was the one time that I didn't. So I just like loved banging around on that thing. And eventually my parents were like, you know, do you want to take like lessons? And I was like, yeah, yeah, lessons. All right. So um, I took lessons for like four years, I want to say something like that. And then um, Jim Riley and Anthony Schultz approached me for uh, to do um, Geoffrey Finch. Um, which is just like, you know, originally it's just like, Hey, do you want to come over to my garage? You know, Anthony plays bass and I play guitar. Do you just want to like, you know, jam? And I was like, so jazzed, of course. Uh, so, so yeah, so that all, you know, started, you know, when I was just like a kid and by the time we were in junior high, you know, we were actually like getting somewhere, you know, we were like, Oh, we have like some songs now. And like, stuff and like you know we'll play a talent show and people will cheer not because it's just cute but because it's like you know hey that was pretty good you know like you're you're doing all right yeah uh so and then even before i was out of uh grade school uh i was playing in a bar downtown (laughs) you know like so like we had like a gig at like the bottle rocket (laughs) you know (laughs) and stuff like that when we were like in eighth grade and uh, we were uh, we were we came really close to winning like uh, the St. Francis sells like town um, battle of the bands. We took third, I think, when when we were in eighth grade before we went to high school. So and then in high school, we just started winning them. 
That's awesome. So, man. Yeah, it started real, real early for me. Um, so yeah, I don't think I ever fun. knew that. Like, in, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you that was like, what got you into to music? Because I know your parents were always supportive. I remember going over to your house and like the whole basement was was basically like the jam out room, yeah. you know. Um, so the, the, it's always the drummer's house. That, that's <laughs> where the band is. It's a, the practice space is always at the drummer's house because he's got the most crap to lug around. So <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, now, you know, so um, yeah, so it was uh, my my parents were just our awesome people and um they 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 themselves have never been in like a band or anything like that i don't even know if they ever really were in choir but um my mom knew a little bit of piano my dad always had his uh old like 70s strat like laying around and he would play some like stones licks on it every once in a while or whatever you know he knew a little bit of bowie um and it was it was never it was never enough to for him to like he never felt confident enough to just sit me down and be like hey let me teach you some guitar kid um but it was just kind of like here's how you kind of hold it and you can just kind of plink these strings and you know like i don't know you'll get there you know kind of kind of thing i love my dad and he's a great guy but yeah um but we were always like singing in the car like my mom would i remember very vividly going to and from you know places or school or whatever and my mom like putting in like dookie on tape and like i'm like i was like mom you're kind of cool like when i look back (laughs) i was like you had freaking dookie like you know we like jammed out to green day as kids and stuff like that and my dad is a big tom petty fan and stones and and all that classic rock kind of stuff um so we'd always be blaring that in the truck and um yeah they were just good people and they always wanted me to like be active and like do doing something getting involved somehow which i don't fault them for but at first they were just like go play sports you know or whatever so like you had to (laughs) i spent like many years of my childhood just like loathing like having to like try out basketball or something like that or playing soccer or whatever and it was just it never clicked for me and then when they finally were like you know do you just want to like play some music uh, you know, is when they, you know, it, it kind of clicked, you know, when I could actually just kind of do what I wanted to do. Cause of course I wanted to do it. So therefore I practiced and got good. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. Like I, I always think about that with my, um, with my brother. Cause, cause out of my, so I got two older brothers and I have two stepbrothers when, when my dad got remarried, uh, when I was a teenager, but growing up, like, neither one of my older brothers were really into sports mm-hmm. but i was but but even my dad was like a and still is mainly like a baseball guy like he he enjoys sports in general like football basketball and baseball but baseball is like his thing but i was like basketball was just like i just took to it like i just gravitated to it and my brother was really into planes like he would draw planes he had model airplanes he had flight simulator 2000 with like the little joystick back on like (laughs) a compact computer back in the day yeah and and i always used to whenever he'd fly to like chicago new york i'd be like dude let's see if we can land in the stadium like that was my big contribution (laughs) to flight simulator was just let's see if we can land in the stadium but um but yeah so so my brother it was kind of similar in that um he was never really into sports and what I what I really appreciate about my dad and my mom is they didn't, you know, kind of like what you said about your parents, like, you know, they they want you to be active and be involved in something. Right. Because I think that's every parent's fears like, oh, they're going to get involved with the wrong crowd, you know. And um, 
and my brother was not into sports. He played it for a little bit. And I remember my dad just kind of told him when he didn't want to do it anymore. He's like, Hey, that's fine. If you, if you want to quit, that's cool. But you're not just going to like stop showing up. You know, you're going to go tell your coach, Hey, I'm not playing anymore. And then you can kind of hang it up. And he did that. And like, you know, we would go to Toledo storm games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed that. But my dad would take my brother, you know, we took a couple of trips up to Detroit Metro, like pre nine 11. And you could literally park on like Eureka road, like right by the airport and we get like rallies and watch planes come over and my brother would have binoculars and he'd be like, that's an L 10 11, that's a DC nine or whatever. And now he's a pilot. So, you know, he had his private pilot's license by the time he graduated high school, he majored in aviation at BG flew privately for a little bit. And now he's a commercial pilot and obviously a lot of stuff's going on with coronavirus. But so I, I always think it's cool and it makes you think about, which is crazy to say that, you know, no one that, you know, since we've known each other since we were like freshmen in high school and we're, we're in our early thirties now, but it's like, you think about if you want to be a parent one day, you know, I, I kind of, I want to be like that. Like, I don't want to push my kids into something or live vicariously through them. I want to introduce them to things, but if they don't like it and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's cool, man. I think it's cool that your parents were supportive of it because like I said, and I'm not just saying that cause you're, we're talking to each other right now, but it's like, um, I remember when I picked up guitar at like 19 after years of air guitaring in my bedroom, um, like you were, you were always super supportive and like, yeah, man, cause no lie. After I got my guitar and my amp from Peeler music after yeah. like a week, I actually called, uh, and I might, it might've been Benny who I talked to. I don't know if you knew it was me, but I was like, yo, um, you know, if I take this back can I like get a refund, cause I was so hard on myself cause I was so bad. And I remember you telling me like, Hey man, like just stick with it and, and try to learn like a simple song, because if you learn something, right. you'll get more into it than just right. trying to play like chords and stuff, like try to actually learn like a, a simple riff or a song. And I remember you showed me some like Metallica or Sandman or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and and so I always appreciated that, man. Yeah, and that's cool. Do you still have that guitar? I do not. I have the same body type. I It's a Schecter C1 body, um, and I still have a satin black one. But when I moved here, I actually traded it. Um, I traded it in and then got – it's just called a Schecter C1 Stealth. So – um it's it's the same scale and everything like that but it just has like a through body neck so it's not a bolt-on um which is kind of cool um and uh i had different uh pickups put in there i had some seymour duncan pickups put in there but the cool thing about this one it's got a push pull knob for the tone so you can split the pickups so even though i've always been kind of a heavy music metal guy compared to my old guitar which had emg like hz's in it which were really awesome Sure. But um, it was a super metal looking guitar because, yeah. you know, I remember it had like the Mother of Pearl like bat inlays on it and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. But uh, this this one's more subdued looking. It's still satin black and everything. But um, but it's I like the fact that. Yeah. What's that? It's still metal when you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I like the fact that it had like the push pull knob so you could split the pickup. So if you want to play something warm, you know, or, or something clean, you can do that. But then you still get like the low end gain when you want to crunch it. You know what I mean? So. So, yeah, uh, but I still have the Vox Valvetronics amp. I still have that same amp. I love that amp. Yeah, it's a cool amp. Um, uh, anything Vox makes is great. Um, yeah, I got some Seymour Duncans in my Strat. I have P-Rails, so it mimics P90s. And uh, it's it's like hum, single hum. So yeah. you can, you know, blast the humbuckers and, yeah, get kind of crunchy if you want to. But you've got that, that nice clean middle 
you know, that you can switch to and, and play some Beatles, you know, if you want to, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love the Seymour Duncan stuff. Um, all, all of those, the, the, their pickup work is rad. And I'm, I'm still, I'm thinking about, uh, getting some Seymour's for my, uh, the Mustang that I got this year or last year, actually. Oh, you but, got a yeah. Mustang, huh? I did. Um, so I had, I had a, an Epi Les Paul for a while. That was kind yeah. of like my, my backup to my Strat. So I was like, if a, if a string ever broke on my Strat, I could just, you know, grab the, the Epi and, and just finish the show with that. But the sound was so different uh, compared to the Strat, you know, and uh, so, and I guess going from, from one neck to another, if I had to say, I, I kind of like the, the Fender, like the slimmer necks anyway. So I, I eventually like traded it in. There was a shop here in town that I needed to, uh, get, uh, get some guitar work done at. And, uh, so that got traded, uh, eventually to, to kind of upgrade to, to the Mustang. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a closer sound to my Strat. They're actually both from the nineties. Um, my Strat's a Fender Photo Flame, which is Japanese made. Uh, that's a 62 reissue that was made around 94, 95. And okay, then the Mustang yeah. that I got was 96. So uh, also made in Japan. Um, so very similar body, same craftsmanship, you know, kind of thing, which are is phenomenal, uh, by the way. And um, they actually stopped making guitars in Japan because they were rivaling the American series. So that's why they moved everything to Mexico. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was just picking up the MIJs and they were just, you know, shunning the American Strat because they were like, dude, the quality of these... Like three four hundred guitar for four hundred dollar guitars is like just as good as these thousand dollar <laughs> guitars. So like why? Why would I even bother? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yeah, I think I think my guitar and my 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 previous guitar, which part of me was like, oh, I don't know if I want to trade it in because it's kind of cool to like keep your first like instrument yeah. or whatever. But um, you know, with, with my I don't even know that I after all these years I I just noodle and kind of am a bedroom guitar player like I don't even know if I would classify as a novice I'm certainly a lot better than when we started jamming when I was 19 but um I was like ah, having one is is good enough and and like I said I really love that C1 body and I like the fact that it has a uh, like a a neck that's not a bolt on just because it's as you get better and you start playing stuff a little bit higher up, it's kind of nice to have that access or whatever, even though I'm not shredding by any means necessary. No, it's all good. Like, uh, but um, it's as... made in Korea, and I think the previous one was made in Korea, and then they get set up, like, in the States, like, when they, you know, tune it up or whatever. I think Because I think Schechter has headquarters in California, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, And they've, they've got a pr- pretty diverse roster, and I think, like, kind of like what you were talking about in terms of bang for your buck for, like, you know, four or five hundred dollar guitar. It's you know, for somebody like me who's just kind of jamming in the bedroom and kind of figuring stuff out and having some fun. Like, it's it's a great guitar. But I mean, I think they've got every everybody from like, you know, like Sinister Gage and Avenge to, uh, like you know, The Cure to. I mean, like it's it's a pretty kind of like diverse signature series that they have on their lineup. I, I've always really enjoyed their stuff. I mean, I've always thought PRSs are beautiful too. You know what I mean? Um, but they're super expensive. So yeah. maybe one day if I get like a little bit better, it'd be cool to have have one. But um but yeah, it's I, I'm 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 very happy with the Schecter, but congrats on the Mustang though, man, because those are cool guitars. Yeah, yeah. I always liked that um that style of like uh pickguard, you know, and kind of like the like the um 
the J base, you know, where it kind of has like that metal strip coming down and the knobs are on that or whatever. It just has, I've always liked that, that look you know, yeah. of that over like P bases. And that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> all the bass players in the world are just like, Oh God, don't go there. And all the P bases <laughs> like, just turn this off. Cause they're like, I don't want it. This guy's not a bass player. He's, he sucks. <laughs> you know, it's P or nothing. So, uh, no, they're, they're both fantastic. It's all, it's all good. It's just a matter of preference. But um, yeah, that's my, that's my jam. How long after drums did you start playing the guitar? Was it in high school? Um, for the most part, yes. Um, I, I was playing guitar in grade school, but not in any sort of actual band capacity. I was still on drums as my main uh, instrument. But being that the uh, drummer is the uh, the drummer's house is where the band practices. All of my guitarist guitars and the bassist bass are, and their amps are just sitting there and they're just yeah. so and I just can't help myself. So I just <laughs> had to pick them up, you know, um, and that's really how it started. You know, I would turn on my uh, guitarist's um, Fender Deluxe Reverb and and crank, you know, his his that thing and, you know, uh, take a Strat and just start playing like Weezer tunes or whatever I could, you know, like uh, plink out. And uh, I just started to kind of like slowly but surely work up to like writing my own stuff and uh i got a small recorder i think like a boss like four track recorder for christmas one year and that was um one of the like uh more decent like digital like all-in-one digital recorders um and that was kind of like after like the tape recorders had kind of started to disappear yeah was one of the one of the first ones i can't remember what it was i want to say like br80 or something like that and that could be completely wrong but um so i started on that and just you know recording you know learning the recording process overdubbing you know tracks that i had already done cutting in uh, solo cutting out you know things like that and started also you know right there started my love for recording which i also really enjoy um, just the process of sitting down and, and, and tracking and stuff like that. So when I was with the Grubs in, in Toledo, um, Will Duramus, the bass player, uh, had gone down to uh, chill a coffee and, and taken a whole summer's course in recording. And when he came back, um, we recorded uh, a, a band that we kind of knew. And that was just like a really neat experience. So uh, and one of the going back to our childhood, the um, Jeffrey Finch's first and second EP um, was recorded by a guy named John Wrightout, who lives kind of down by Walbridge, like kind of by the zoo, um, pretty close to my parents' house. And okay. so the parent, like my guitar player's parents knew him and he was like, hey, I just like spent a bunch of money and got this recording studio basically set up down my basement of looking looking for somebody to record you know if you want to send your kids my way and just give me like 50 bucks or something like that you know i'm just i just want to record somebody so we'll call it good and so um he was just a really influential interesting guy and uh i've always i was always like in the back of my mind like that would be cool like he is so he was he's like a super cool guy so yeah. if I, i'm like 45 pushing 50 or whatever like that and I have all the money to blow on this cool gear. I want to be like that guy. You know, like I just want to like be down my basement sipping whiskey, like recording people, as like my afternoon gig. Like that would be freaking sweet. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know awesome. if I'm ever going to achieve that, but we'll see. 
hey man put it out in the universe you know but that's why i wanted to have you on man because you know not only we're buddies and it's been a minute since we we've caught up but like like i said you were very uh always really supportive when i uh, started playing guitar and actually the first concert that i went to ever in my life was when you were with inner sanctum and it was at vamps you know vamps and it was like Um, an upstairs place with like chairs and stuff but i remember i think me noak and maybe chad might have come but that was like the first show and then it was cool because in that band i remember uh dave and i also went to cleveland because you guys had a show at peabody's god this is probably like maybe 2007 because i think we were in college and uh it was like critical bill and drowning yeah. pool yeah you know and yeah. i and i just thought that that was like so so awesome you know so i i know we're jumping around a little bit but yeah. um but uh yeah man like that's part of the reason why i want to have you on because like not only we're buddies and it's been a minute but you were always supportive and um and i thought it would be kind of cool to talk about like the sort of that path for you you know so you mentioned drums and guitar but what were some of the bands uh in dookie listen to that with your mom which is awesome by the way yeah i mean uh, like it's a bunch of stuff i mean all that stuff from the 90s and i'm still super i, I can't get away from it i don't I, the, I sit down to write a song and that stuff is what comes out like 90s yeah. inspired pop rock and I can't, I can't i can't help it that's just like what what springs forth generally so i mean it's kind of it's always varied here or there and yes i can write plenty of other styles but like when i sit down and and just like dig into my core that is like that's just what comes out so but yeah i mean like the the thing the other things that inspired me throughout throughout my journey or um so so when when i started jamming with the joffrey finch guys they were into a completely different style of music than the kids in my neighborhood so like the kids in my neighborhood were all into like um like metal or stuff or like a hard rock and and whatever so like everything from like metallica to i remember my buddy uh mike like napstering um the uh lincoln parks hybrid theory when that came out he he downloaded a bunch of like the disturbed's first record he yeah. like his brother knew somebody who got it to you know for him and, and everybody was just like dude this is like insane so it was <laughs> like all that stuff like primer 55 and finger 11's grayest of blue skies is still one of my favorite records but yeah, great they, record they're like one like hard record <laughs> like i don't think that they even they i don't even know if they were really into that but that's just kind of like <laughs> label wanted i'm sure but i love that record um so Things like that, like this harder stuff is actually where I started. And then when I got into Joffrey Finch, um, those guys loved like Weezer, the Get Up Kids, um, Sublime, um, Fugazi. Like they were into like all that, like completely like other spectrum stuff. And and I was like so, in, in, I guess, impressed by uh, or pressed, impressed upon uh, by that style of music that, you know, that kind of like brought me back to kind of like the middle ground at least. Um, but I did really get into Weezer. They're definitely one of the the biggest influences my, in my life at that time um, and kind of influenced all of that early stuff and all those early bands for me, um, which is crazy. But 
Uh, so yeah, so like I, you know, every once in a while, you know, I like turn off Disturbed and then I put in Pinkerton, you know, or something. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. So um, so I, I'm always kind of like all over the board. And when when I look back and and think about the musicians who I really enjoy, there are always people who have these this broad spectrum of sound. So I mean, starting from like the Beatles, you know, like with everything that they went through from 1964 you know british invasion all the way to you know let it be or whatever and their whole journey and psychedelics and you know whatever you throw everything in there and they're just this this depth and breadth of this band is insane you know so yeah. people like devin townsend you know who i know you know yeah. um are crazy you know like there there's no stopping them you know like there there's no outlet that they or no 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 shoe they can't fill in some weird way. And if they haven't filled it yet, they will, you know, like you just have to give them time. So like I can listen to, I love Devin Townsend's key. I love um, him and uh, Shay, uh, Amy Dorval or whatever her name is that they, they did the casualties of cool record. His stuff with Ziltoid is really funny and crazy. Um, it's Wasn't just strapping young lad. Strapping uh, young lads, like yeah. this is a fantastic song and all that stuff. And I mean, I love Mastodon just like you you do, and you know, um, Lamb of God, Sacrament. You know, like <laughs> like I, I just kind of everywhere. So, didn't you uh, see Gojira with uh, Devin Townsend in Chicago? Yes, I did. Yeah, and Opeth. So oh, what, all good. What That's line. a heck of a show, dude. Insane. Um, it was just I love it, Gojira. One of the best shows I've ever seen. It's certainly one that I like look back on fondly. Um, Dream Theater has got to be in there. Um, yep, you and you and Tony West got me into Dream Theater in high West school. West and Ray, yeah, they're just incredibly talented, and you know, I just insane. Um, and uh, Tool, Tool's in there too. Lateralis, I mean, how do you yeah. not cite that record? Um, but then, like, it's a bunch of different stuff. So, like, I love the band Failure, who is like. Have you ever heard of failure? I was. It's funny you mentioned that, man. Your ears must have been ringing because I was just like when you were mentioning all those alternative bands. I was just about to ask you about failure. Um, yeah. Ironically, I discovered them way later because I have like this kind of like uh, I have like a I don't even know if you want to call it like shoegazy kind of jam rock station on my Pandora with like Hum and mm -hmm. a bunch of those different bands. And failure came on. I'm like. How did I not hear about these guys before? So I that's hilarious because I literally was just about to ask you crazy? about failure. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Ken Andrews and failure are just like uh, all his stuff. Have you heard uh, "Year of the Rabbit" by him? Like, I don't think one so. of his other side projects. That's awesome. Um, so the band's called "Year of the Rabbit." Uh, check that out. It was kind of like a short-lived. I think they only put out one record uh, side project, but really neat stuff. He's got some solo stuff. Uh, his record on is super good. Um, he's a huge inspiration, too, because he's a recording uh, dude. Like, he's recorded some Paramore records and um, a bunch of stuff that I'm totally blanking on, but really neat guy who kind of, like, has taken similar paths in life, you know, and got, of course, got lucky and, of course, got, you know, failure. Um, yeah. Which was huge and really underrated and almost so underrated that they were under the radar. You know, for yeah. 
guys like you and me who were like totally in that wheelhouse and totally dancing around it. I'm sure for many years, yeah. but never heard of it. Like no one ever connected the dots. And even if, if we heard them and we were like, Oh man, that's a sweet song. We'd like forget to like look it up or something. Um, so I think I it was immediately was it. drawn to it when it came on Pandora. When I, when I first heard it, I was like, who is this? Like immediately I was, I was drawn to it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was Nick from Ramalama that actually, uh, connected the dots for me and, and told me, hey, have you listened to this band Failure? And I was like, no. And he was like, you love Weezer, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you'll love Failure. Like, they're like a they're like a Weezer that got like turned sideways, you know, and like <laughs> like something bad happened to Weezer somewhere along the line, and like <laughs> things just like you know, like in movies, like when shit starts to hit the fan they always go for the dutch angle which is like the camera starts to turn yeah and things like get a little off and you know things are off and it's coming that's failure <laughs> you know like that's failure for me like it's 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 a pretty picture but somebody just turned it sideways and like it do, it goes in directions you don't expect you know and it's just it's it's brilliant and sometimes noisy but all the time meaningful and awesome and, yeah, and Fantastic Planet uh, is the was the first failure record I ever heard, and probably my favorite until The Heart Is a Monster came out very recently, um, within the last was it four years, three years? Um, yeah, was it twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen? They kind of kind of got it all back yeah, together, united, and made that new record. And I think that that maybe has actually surpassed Fantastic Planet for me. I think it's just a phenomenal record. Uh, front to back and uh, I will listen to it until the day I die <laughs> you know it's it's awesome I'm gonna take a deep dive on them tomorrow on Spotify while I'm working you know with yeah. the year of the rabbit stuff too because I, I I think I saw that but I don't, I don't know if I've if it if it's popped up so this is why I love talking to you man because we always have like the musical yeah. kind of because because I think that's where we kind of cross pollinated because I remember I think it was you who had yeah, it was. It was around 2000, maybe nine. We we were probably still in college, but I remember you got really into um, the the Thrice record, the Alchemy Index. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. they had like uh, one was like fire and water, like they had like that whole thing. Um, and then and then um, I got back into them right around when I got down here because uh, was it to be everywhere is to be nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. What which a crazy record awesome. come out of nowhere, too. Like. I hadn't heard of Thrice, do, like, even having, like, a reunion and, like, starting to work on it. So, like, one day I, I think I actually checked myself. I think I was just, like, um, one day while I was sitting there downtown, like, up in some high-rise building, like, working on graphics, I was just like, man, I just miss Thrice. Like, I just wish, <laughs> like, I just wish they would get back together because that stuff was so good. And, like, they're such a, such a cool band. And I think I went to thrice.net and it was like the new album out now. And I was just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I listened to that whole record probably four times that day, front to back at work. And it, it just blew my mind. So I was, I was very fortunate enough to see them tour that record as well. Because as soon as I found out, I was like, oh my God, I have to, I have to go. So they came up to Wisconsin and, and I saw them there. Um, but man, what a band. Yeah, absolutely. They're right up there. Radiohead is right up there uh, for me. Um, random stuff like Beck. Beck is really cool. Yeah, like I, I love Beck stuff, and I love just 
random stuff that you wouldn't even know, like uh, this, uh, like Little Dragon. I love Little Dragon. Hiatus Coyote. Um, Kendrick Lamar. I love, I love his stuff. Um, and then, of, of course, going back to things like David Bowie, you know, and stuff will always, you know, resonate and, and, and be interesting and cool. Um, yeah, all over the place. Just everywhere. Right now, this is like a lot of like like synth wave and stuff like that. Just because I don't know, it's just different, and it's just something to tune out and listen to in the background while you're working. Dude, Stranger Things got me going down a synth wave rabbit hole. Honestly, that's like that be quickly became. I know it's like a pop culture phenomenon now, but um, that quickly became like one of my favorite shows ever. And uh, yeah, it's funny you said synth wave too, because I have like uh, this station with. are you familiar with like Washed Out and like Time Cop 1983? And then there's yeah. like Gunship. Gunship yeah. is another one. Um, ironically, Alter Bridge, which I'm a huge Alter Bridge fan, as you know, but um, their latest record, Walk the Sky, Mark Germani said he got really influenced by a lot of the synthy stuff and like John Carpenter type of stuff. And like, yeah. so he would instead, he, he kind of like, he's, changed his creative angle so listening to that record like it's still alter bridge but there's songs like pay no mind where it's like got like a super synthy vibe in the beginning so yeah it's funny you say that because no i, I love all that man like i love all of like the the home stuff failure um there's this band i i i think sadly one of the members passed away a few years ago so i don't know if they're jamming together as this band anymore but a band called moonlit sailor um another band like uh, explosions in the sky yeah. um, so, hammock is from nashville kind of so i'm i'm kind of into like like the everything from like the metal to the alternative to like the the post-rock stuff too but yeah the synth wave i've gotten into in the last couple of years because like you said it's great it's great to work too but it's just also i don't know it just makes me feel good too like there's times where i want to like bang my head and jam but yeah. then there's times too when you want to listen to kind of like almost like a retro vibe you know yeah yeah and that that's definitely all over you know that that's what it's all about really it's just that retro it is retro period you know because every every dude who does that has their like moog mother 32 and you know their uh, uh, mutable instruments like rings and clouds and all that stuff and that's just all that they want they just want that that gritty moogy retro you know like feel um and you know i i love it you know because yeah it just takes you to a place you know and it's it's really neat. I've actually looked into some of that stuff myself, even though it's a very expensive hobby. Um, to get a synthesizer and stuff? Yeah, to do modular synths um, is crazy. Like, one little module can, you know, cost you $300, you know, and that's not, that won't even do anything on its own. You have to have, like, four or five other components to get it to even do something cool, you know? So it's, like, it's crazy. It's, like like... When you take like a big keyboard, like a like a, a semi, or like not even semi modular synth, just like a regular synth keyboard, all that stuff is built in, you know. So these these guys, they have huge walls of this stuff, like all like outboard gear and racks and things like that. That ugh, God, I can't I can't even imagine how much money is on their walls, but um, it's it's nuts because they kind of build it piece by piece by piece by piece, and they can repeat stuff. Uh, like LFOs and 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 whatever, and and they can you know put in different gates and timing sequence like little little things and a reverb here and it's like it's kind of like build, building a pedal board, you know, yeah. it's kind of like modular synth in a way. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and then, of course they've got like wires going everywhere because like all the signals are like re, you know, doubling back on themselves and stuff. And I don't know, I'm gonna sound like a noob to anybody who knows of that stuff, but it's it's really interesting if if you're if you have any sort of like uh, love for that stuff, which it sounds like you do check it out like check some of the videos out on modular synth on youtube or whatever it's it's nuts and but they man they make some cool stuff <laughs> i saw an interview with uh the guys who who do the music for stranger things and um it's exactly what you're talking about like they yep. they i can't remember who it was on youtube like who interviewed them but it, it was literally just this whole room and yeah. they they walked them through how they did like the stranger things theme and it right. was crazy yeah. Demogorgon like, theme and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like kind of like slightly out of pitch or whatever, just because you can like you can mess with all that stuff and like yeah, like we like put these like three tones over each over themselves and doubled it and like turned one slightly to like it's like um, an in between a half note and a regular note. It's like something like in like Middle Eastern like tonalities and stuff. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But yeah, the the synth stuff is definitely is definitely cool and, and i th i feel like people kind of go one of two ways as they get older you know there's like and i feel like you and you and you and me are kind of in that boat of like when you when you really i, I mean i don't want to say it like you're interested in, in checking out new stuff like creatively yeah. like you're not somebody who's like oh my you know my my hard drive is filled up i've got no more space and i've met people like that where they're like ah i just like you know, I'll be excited. I'll be like, oh, check out this band or check out this band. They're like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm good. And I feel like you're kind of in that boat with me where it's like, I, I want to hear new stuff or. Yeah. And I mean that we've all heard that, you know, like for, you know, for years, it's just like, yeah, once you kind of get to a certain age, most people just kind of like, just kind of compress, compress it all. And they're just like, well, this is it. You know, this is music for me. And there's nothing, I, I'm not going to tell anybody what is right or wrong. You know, yeah. but I just think that's a little you're shutting yourself up for for a lot of music that e even might want to emulate exactly the styles of music that you like. But you might really like because of that, you know, the, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not willing to, like, close myself off to some new, interesting things. There are a lot of people out there every day that make something really good. You might not hear it or at least for a long time, kind of like failure. Right. But it's out there. You know, and it's only a matter of time. And is if you are searching for it, you're far more likely to find it. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you have an open ear. Yeah, yeah. My my buddy Ryan, um, you remember Tropic Bombs? Yeah, uh, yeah. In Toledo, uh, Ryan Waiten. Shout out to him. Great, great dude. Great friend. But um, his yeah, favorite band is is like he is legend. And um, he got me into them and I just that was another band that I was like, man, how have I not heard of these guys before? It's crazy how certain bands kind of like you're talking about with failure and stuff like just fly under the radar because uh, I heard he is legend. Um, I don't know how familiar with you are with them, but uh, they've they've got uh, is it six records now. They just came out with White Bad, I think, last year. But um, I think they have some stuff that you would you would like. They They have kind of like. There's certain songs where the singer's voice and kind of melody and stuff reminds me of like um, Alice in Chains a little bit, but they okay. also kind of have a heavy kind of southern rock, almost like bluesy kind of vibe. Their first record, I Am Hollywood, I think was 2004, and seeing the evolution to that to like what they're doing now, it's 
it's kind of it's it's really cool you know because kind of like like thrice you know like we were talking about you hear a thrice song and it's like that's thrice but if you look at like their earliest stuff like artist in the ambulance to like yeah you know to be everywhere is to be nowhere and alchemy index it's like that it all sounds way different but it's thrice right miles apart yeah you know and you know both creatively and you know just like musically and our concept you know it's conceptually um and that's that happens you know and it should happen i think to most good artists is you know they'll they'll start out doing their thing and not that it's bad or wrong um but that you're never going to end up in the same place unless i don't know I, i i don't know where to go with this like i don't know if it's um like bands that have just like a very defined sound if they are too if they feel too beholden to their fans if they feel as if it is more of a job now to churn out that kind of music so that they can keep going like maybe they're they're not willing to take new risks you know because of course you set half of your fan base or depending on the style of music that you are, I suppose everybody's every genre is kind of different in the way that it handles that kind of stuff. But like, so, you know, if, um, if, uh, I don't know, Metallica came out with a country record or something like that, I think that would be more repercussive than if, you know, like, um, if Radiohead decided to do one. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. know like yeah it's twitter just, would explode if malika metallica did a country record your yeah your fan base might completely turn on you and 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 drive your name into the dirt forever you know so that's what i'm saying i'm like i'm sure there are certain bands who feel like they just cannot because their fans will not accept anything that different of uh, or that new so yeah it's 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 tough but i do think that most most artists, the vast majority, you know, you'll never end up where you started, you know. Uh, and, and if you do, it's very intentional, you know, just because you want to come full circle somehow. But, um, yeah. yeah, you're always evolving and growing, I think, as a musician, because kind of like like like-minded people like you and me, um, you always crave that new thing, you know, and you're never too comfortable in, your, in the shoes that you wore yesterday. And if you keep wearing those shoes, it kind of feels like a lie in a way you're just like am i doing this just to be comfortable you know it's like what, what am i doing here you know like i've i've heard this record i know i know every word i know every note i know i have the experience in my head and i can pull it out any any time i want i want something that i can't do that with you know like i want a new experience that's what it's all about yeah yeah and that's why i think it's cool like you know i think if you're like a true fan of a band or like you said, you have a curious mind and you're just interested to see what somebody's capable of, then you don't jump ship. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we were like eight years old when Load came out for Metallica. So like that was the Metallica I knew because yeah. I was born in 88 when Justice came out. You know what I mean? So yeah. I didn't I didn't really find out until I was in high school more about the thrashier Metallica. Like, obviously I'd heard master puppets and the big ones from back in the day one, but, but then you listen to like ride the lightning and you listen to, you know, Orion off of master puppets or the thing that should not be in harvester of sorrow. Like all that stuff came way later for me. So I, I think there's, there's probably, you know, like I think Slayer was just Slayer because those guys just, that's what 
that's what they love just thrash metal you know what i mean yeah. and i think um I don't know. I, you know, I, there's probably some who are in the camp that are like, oh, Metallica was just trying to, they came out with the Black Album and then they kind of turned course and blah, blah, blah. I don't, I mean, I've, I've listened to, you know, just being that being like probably my all time favorite band. I, I've, I've read interviews and listened to interviews and stuff where I really feel like they, they were just at a point in their careers where they wanted to do something different. I mean, because the Black Album, I think they toured on for something crazy, like two years, basically straight. And that record completely changed hard rock and metal. I mean, yeah. completely. You know what I mean? And I feel like they just kind of hit that wave. You know what I mean? Because there was some great stuff on Load and Reload. I mean, Bleeding Me is, to this day, one of my favorite Metallica songs ever. Hero of the Day is a, is a beautiful song. I think I think the true fans will always be there, but I think you're right in that... And you would know more than me as an actual musician who's been in bands. I, I think there is part of um, those big bands, whether it's a Metallica or a pop band, um, you know, or a rock band that's kind of hit a mainstream level where they feel like, okay, we know that this, for lack of a better word, this formula works. Right. We know that this is what people expect. Uh, so give the people what they want. And, and especially in a day and age now where, it's not like it was 20 years ago where bands were getting these crazy advances, you know, and when Korn was the biggest band on the planet and, you know, I'm watching their DVD and they're like, yeah, the, the one record are, we spent like $20,000 on alcohol. <laughs> like yeah, now right. bands go on the road to pay back the record company for the cost to, to record the record. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, ideally you're breaking even and then hopefully bringing something in. So I think there's always going to be a part of it where it's like, let's give something for the van the fans. It's kind of like with movies, like you'll hear actors talk about like one for them, one for me, like I'll do the big budget thing so that I can make the money so I can go do yeah. my creative indie thing. And I feel like that's, I feel like the bands that are at that level, that's kind of what you get. Like you'll get the songs where they know it works and then you'll get the experimental stuff. And guys like me and you are probably always going to be here for all of it because we we love to hear it. But right. there's there's definitely going to be people who are like, oh, man, I just if Metallica makes, you know, master puppets every single time, like I'm cool with that, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I what were some of the 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 high watermarks for you as a musician over years in the in the bands that you've been in? Um like it was cool. I mean, I remember for me being 19 years old, it was definitely cool to see you open for for Drowning Pool, and I yeah. remember that being a pretty cool vibe at that show at Peabody's. It was it was fun. But um, in the different bands you've been in, man, because because like you said, you come from kind of like alternative 90s. Alternative is definitely like your wheelhouse. Yeah, the stuff mm -hmm. that comes out. Um, which is always why I love jamming with you too, because I felt like you always did a good job of like having melodic chords and stuff and like really mm -hmm. good rhythm. And I feel like as a drummer, um, even hearing Dave Grohl talk about going from drumming to guitar playing, he's like, yeah, I kind of look at it like percussively. And yeah. then I was watching an interview where he just started going right, in, right into the, like the Everlong riff and like how he was saying how he plays it like a drummer. But anyway, I'm, I'm going in all sorts of directions here. But um, you've been uh -huh. in metal, alternative. Um, what, what are some of the high watermarks for you as, as a musician playing over the years? Yeah, I think every band is... Every bit, every project I've been in has had high watermarks somewhere, and if if not like to be, I don't know, like kind of I don't know, it would be like gloaty or whatever like that. Like, but 
the things that you would you kind of like would put on a resume is just yeah for like the metal band it's like oh yeah we opened for drowning pool we opened for mushroom head like it we were we got some really really cool shows and stuff like that and 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 that was neat um but but it's also like personal high watermarks it's like you know going in and and recording a, a record at a really cool studio it's just some time that you had playing um in front of you know a, a really interesting crowd you know or, or or things like that like they're always more personal to me as far as like the what i consider the high watermarks but yeah. i think it's kind of neat especially in the early bands to play with a bunch of people who became super famous after the fact you know so like i i remember we opened uh we played a show where we opened for fallout boy um right after they changed their name to fallout boy they used to be called grand theft autumn i believe I and, had no idea. Yeah. So, and we didn't either. You know, they're just like, oh, who's who's the headliner tonight? Ah, who cares? You know, we're just going to get up there where they brought, we brought all the fans, you know, they're just going to leave after us anyway. So, <laughs> but they were all really nice guys. Um, Ray actually still has a, a hat signed by Fall Out Boy that he got at that show. So, um, it's, that's pretty interesting. Um, Motion City Soundtrack. Um, who else do we play with? I think Alkaline Trio, actually. I think at one, at one time. Uh, we were on the same bill with them. Um, you guys played oh, a show with uh, Frankie Muniz's band, too, Frankie I remember. Frankie Muniz's band, uh, King's Foil. Yeah, he was a drummer for that band. Um, fantastic drummer. And, and a really nice guy. He was actually very, very um, open with his time to talk about, you know, just like stuff. You know, like uh, just drumming or his, you know, career as far as like, I was like, well, man, what was working with like Brian Cranston like? Like, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, so, and he was, he took it all in stride, man. He was just like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, Brian's a great guy and blah, blah, blah. So he he signed pictures and, you know, did the autograph thing and, you know, whatever. And that, that was really cool. So I'm always, I'm always very interested in other people's work and just really glad when somebody could be a douche about about anything but but they totally they're they're like way above it and just like wow you are actually a really cool person thank god you know <laughs> yeah um what else um yeah we we uh fenton the band after geoffrey finch um won a battle of the bands up at clutch cargoes uh, in detroit um cool the detroit area yeah, yeah it's a really cool venue um, that was definitely a high watermark for us because I had no expectations. Uh, we were like just one of, I don't know, 120 different bands or something like that. So to hear to, that we that we did that was pretty crazy. It's just like, man, that's that's insane. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I just look back at it and I I really almost don't think about the the kind of like, oh, yeah, we opened up for this person and that person and or whatever. And I just think back about, you know, the, the people, you know, these, that are my bandmates, you know, and, and just like, wow, man, they were just such great musicians. And like, just some of the songs we wrote and things, um, those are, that's like what I look back on fondly. It's just like the times that we had and, and probably subconsciously, cause it's just kind of like, oh yeah, those are the golden years. I just want to go back there, you know, like, and just live <laughs> in that moment, you know, but yeah, I mean, like I, I, I just love some of the random shows we played, like playing like backyard parties and stuff like that. I remember this one up in Michigan. I think this dude like threw this party every year. I think it was called Billa Palooza or just something really dumb. <laughs> but you get like 
150 to 200 like drunk like early college kids like at, at the show just having a total barn burner the whole crowd is like into it and beers are like being thrown everywhere and stuff and like you are just like you just have people by the balls you know yeah. like that's those are the shows that are really cool like when you just find yourself in a situation like man this is crazy like this is awesome you know like this is not some big show. It's not some, um, my, my name is not up on a marquee, but I'm having a really good time. And they are too. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny too. Cause I, um, my friend Lindsay down here, who's a, who's a country singer and has, it has a great like soulful voice and she like raps, like, you know, does all kinds of stuff. But, um, but we were talking about, when she started to kind of hit her stride down here with the the duo she was in called Smoking Guns, and she mentioned that she played at Sneaky Pete's back home, and <laughs> um, and and she and she was talking about how like people are always surprised when she says Iowa is one of her favorite places that she's been to on tour, and I said you know being from the Midwest, I was like a lot of the places like Toledo and Iowa and stuff. I mean, and I don't mean this in like a slanderous way. I it's just probably more of like an industry term not that i'm in the industry but they're like more b markets right like chicago new york miami la those are all atlanta nashville those are all like a markets yeah major cities, fish kind of thing. arenas yeah yeah whereas toledo's like hey we'll play toledo on our way to chicago or detroit or whatever and so i feel like when bands come through they get a good like national bands they get like a good crowd because people are happy that they came through you know what i mean yeah. like i was as a metal fan i remember um uh i i when kill switch engage came for uh their alive or just breathing and they're one of my favorites of all time they're the uh the 10 year anniversary at headliners like right down the street from where i was living at the time yeah. and um so, so in, in when I kind of posited that to her, she's like, yeah, she's like, I, I think that kind of makes sense, you know, because she's like, I love Iowa. Everybody's so friendly. We get to the town, you know, people want to show us around town. And she's like, we've played Chicago and like outside of Chicago numerous times. People are always super cool, you know, and then obviously, you know, this being in that area, but like the food's great. But, but part of me, as we were talking about that too, for people who listened to last episode, like, I, I don't want anybody to think I was like saying anything bad about my hometown i just meant it in that way like being that it's not as like it's a mid-sized city i think when national bands come through they usually get a good show because it's not like nashville or chicago where every single week you know somebody right. is coming it's through the town and on the list yeah you're yeah. like yeah people are there just like super jazzed that you're there you know so yeah. they're just like wow they're super thankful and they're totally in your corner and they're ready to have a good time that is yeah. a great crowd to play for like no yeah. matter you are so yeah and i think i think we're lucky too that toledo has a really really awesome i mean i've been out of it for a couple of years but certainly i would say while we were in college and you know the early 2000 mid 2010s you know tropic bombs my buddy ryan waiting among them like there was a really vibrant local music scene there you know i remember shows where um i think i came out when you were in the grubs you yeah. could see tropic bombs um there there were there, like the casket company there were there were so many um awesome awesome like local bands and great local shows where you could go down to frankie so i don't want that to get lost on the shuffle too i don't know maybe it's just me worrying too much because yeah, you no, know it, it, and yeah i feel you like it it will always be there and like the the scene when i was growing up was really cool too 
you know, and all the people that, that we met along the way. And, and I had heard it from the people who ran the venues and ran the sound and stuff. It's just like, yeah, it ebbs, it ebbs and flows, but there is always a scene, you know, the, it's always some new band is going to come along and like, uh, you know, really, really shake things up and like make a name for themselves. I mean, remember like Lollipop Lustkill, you know, when we were like, yeah, in, you know, in high school. So like, yeah, those guys, like we, you know, kind of like somebody knew somebody who knew them or like, you know, yeah, I used to sit next to their drummer in class or something like that. You know, like, um, like once these, over. Right, right. These people who like, they're like right there. They're like regional bands or whatever who like almost break through and, and stuff and like really gets seen going. Um, so yeah, that will always happen, you know, um, with, with Toledo too, especially I think, uh, just because of the, the amount of musicians that kind of like come out of there, even if they don't stay there, you know, like, I think it's, it's a good place to be. I think it's really cool. And it's come, it's come a long way too. The last couple of times that like I've come home to like visit for like Christmas or whatever, I'm just like, damn, you got like a lot of new, like cool stuff, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, this is, this is cool. This is like, we're, we're, Toledo's going somewhere, man. Like you got like the downtown is really bumping now too. Like with all the stuff that they did in the early aughts to bring the mud hens down there and whatever. I'm like, yeah, man, like this is, this is great now. Like, <laughs> yeah, so. it's always good to go back home, man. Like I, I was thankful. That's honestly what made it so hard to, to leave was just the, the, the people that were there. Um, and it was really cool to, you know, because I didn't start writing music features, even though I've always loved music until like I, I started writing for Toledo Free Press after I graduated from from UT and Michael Miller gave me an opportunity. We were at like a diaper party for the publisher, Tom Pounds. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, you know, with all these older journalism dudes and they're all telling all these crazy stories over the years about people they've talked to or blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about music and they were telling stories about like Billy Joel and all these people. Cause one guy had been on the radio. Uh, Michael Miller had been around obviously for a while. And I think, I think he just kind of saw how much I loved it. And like the next day he sent me my first music feature. I remember it was this guy named Peter Miller and he played upstairs at Ramalama and oh. me and Matt Warren Mernon actually went and I met him and, and that's kind of where it started, but it was cool to, um, and that's how Ryan, uh, and I became friends, you know, was I, I did the feature on Tropic Bomb. So it was cool to like cover the local music scene and see everything that was going on and um, and, and be a part of that, you know, and, and, and see the growth of it. And then, like I said, over the years, all the bands that you've been in. So um, so, yeah, I don't I don't want people to think I was speaking disparaging of toledo when i said like a b market i i just meant that in terms of being a smaller city because there is an awesome local music scene there there's great people there um and i think it's cool that uh that headliners over the years i don't know if it's still around but i mean i think there was a show with sure trivium and machine head uh, i it was before I, I before i really started to get into like the, the heavier heavier stuff but um they had played there kill switch had played there like mm -hmm. um even uh, the the white stripes, uh, I mean, it's it's got a really good music history. Like the uh, yeah. white um, stripes Black played East there. Used to play at Mickey Finn's like all the time. They used to be like one of like the house bands there that would play there like almost every week for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, you know, when you walk into Frankie's, they've got like all the old posters up on the wall of like Goo Goo Dolls and Pumpkins and stuff. Like, yeah, there's there is history there, and it there always will be. 
you know, those, those places will stay open and like they keep opening new stuff. So like, I remember when like they reopened like main event, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that there and like that, there was enough music to make it happen. You know, that not everybody is sharing one club, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I will, some people have like a lot against Toledo, uh, especially the people who are from there. You know, some people are like, I'll never go back. It's uh, Toledo. But uh, I have always loved that town. You know, like, and I think that it, it will always spawn good music. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and it's such a great hub because you're two hours from Cleveland. You're an hour from Detroit. So if you're a local band and you want to start branching out regionally, I mean, you've got, you're right well, in the middle yeah. of Detroit, Columbus, Chicago, Cleveland. I mean, it's Cincinnati is, is three hours away. So it's it's a great regional place to play. What was the first... You mentioned Dookie, but uh, what was like the first album that grabbed you or, or artist that grabbed you where it was like opening Pandora's box and going down the rabbit hole? Ooh, the first. I don't know. Because like early like the early records that I bought for myself, I don't know if I could say they, it was like a, a Pandora's box, but I mean, I remember just really loving Matchbox 20s yourself or someone like you, you know, or whatever like that. And like, just, um, you know, I bought that record and yeah, I bought a lot of like random stuff when I was a kid, but um, I think the first, the first one where I was like, this is like something way bigger, you know, and then, then, just a record you know i think actually was thrice's alchemy index i mean and i had listened to you know a bunch of music before that but that was the one where i was like they did really they did something really cool here you know it's like and that was that's something that like i want to like emulate like i would love to do something like that one day and i have like the special edition vinyl of that and it is just wow what a package like it's really cool i mean and of course like i would say probably before that one it was melancholy and the infinite sadness yeah by pumpkins you know that's just kind of another one where the presentation the whole look and feel of the that era of pumpkins is just something really cool just like noir and old you know tiny like photography and line art and all this like different stuff like it just come together to like make this really neat look for a band and i just i just remember being blown away just when I really started to dig into that stuff. So cool. Didn't so. you and Ray get to meet Billy Corgan after a show? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We were very fortunate to meet him at, um, I want to say we, we went to Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, they well, like, we had, we had showed up really early and we had kind of gone to like a side door. I can't remember it. I can't remember what venue it was, but, um, so, and like, uh, we'd seen, uh, what's their guitarist, Jeff, we saw him pop out to like take like a quick phone call at one point. So we're like, okay, maybe we'll come back here after the show. So we, we did, you know, we, we stuck around for a while. We went back to like the back of the building where they had the tour buses and everything. And there was like 20 or 30 people back there, like waiting. And we're like, eh, nothing's going to happen here. So we went to the side door and we saw maybe full, I don't know, six or seven people like kind of waiting around and, I could, we, there was something like with the like the air of the event where we're like <laughs> these people know something we're like these <laughs> there's just i don't know like a certain amount of like people here who are just kind of like really chill just kind of like hanging out there was like a couple little barricades like by the door so we're just like hmm, maybe we'll just maybe we'll just wait here too <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, like um, 10 minutes later, most of the band comes out into like some unmarked vans and leaves probably to get dinner, you know, somewhere. Uh, but no Billy. So uh, 10 minutes after that, like one of the biggest people I've ever seen, security guards, comes out and he's like, now Billy might come over and he might say, hey, and y'all cool with that? Cool. I don't want no funny business, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> kind of stuff. And like, we were like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he did, he came out and, and Billy Corgan talked to us for, I want what, what seemed like an eternity as far as like being in front of somebody that big, you're just like totally starstruck, but it was a good amount of time. It was like probably like seven minutes. Like the dude like talked to us and, and the other people who had showed up that he seeming seemingly new in like some capacity they're just like like oh yeah i've seen you before like you're at all the shows for the last 20 years or whoever you know it's like so he's yeah. very comfortable and it just surprised the hell out of me and, and both ray and i had like sharpies and we had like the airplane flies high like booklet like in our pocket and we were just like we couldn't wait to like try to get an autograph but like we just let him talk and like we were so afraid to take out our sharpies and like our booklets because we we couldn't believe that he like was just sitting there talking to us and just kept yeah. we we're like we don't want to we don't like as soon as we take out a sharpie he's gonna be like no uh, see you later you know probably. yeah so we just didn't want to ruin the moment so yeah we just let it go but it was really cool yeah and, and i think at the end of the day right that's probably a cooler experience than an autograph because you had like a moment you got to talk to him you know what i mean yep. and thankfully in all the years that i've uh, when I was writing for Toledo Free Press and stuff, I never really had, I had some interviews that weren't like, like I could tell I was probably like maybe the 10th or 12th interview they had done that day and they were on the road and they were tired that they weren't the, you know, the greatest interview, but I never had anybody that was like just a jerk to me. And it was okay. never my goal when I was feature writing to, to have like gotcha questions. I genuinely was always interested in like the story behind the artist and stuff and like, I, I was thankful that when I got to do, not name dropping, but I, I know I can talk to you about it. And it yeah, doesn't no, seem like, you know what I mean? You were like it. when I got to, <laughs> when I got to talk to, um, and it was after I had spent some time away from writing when I worked in marketing for a little bit and then was working at the Andersons and stuff. And I got back into Toledo Free Press, you know, unfortunately, like then they closed within that same year. But, um, I got a chance to talk to to Miles Kennedy and to uh, to Mark Tremonti, and they were both like t two of my favorite musicians ever, and they couldn't have been nicer guys, you know what I mean? And like asking Miles Kennedy about how he used to like air guitar on a tennis racket, and finally his parents were like, maybe we should get you like a real guitar, you know what I mean? Like it was just cool to like um, have positive experiences you know, with them in, in, in the back pocket, you know, where they were both really kind. Like I remember at the end of the conversation, Miles was like, you know, and I, and, you know, somebody like that, like I only got him for like 15 minutes, but like you said, right. it seemed like it was probably like 45 because right, we covered right. a lot of ground. So and, you're hanging on every word, you know, you're just like so yeah. struck and you're so like hyper focused. Yeah. And he thanked me for my time at the end of the conversation. He was, and he, and he, he said, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I remember one time this dude, um, I think his name is Jerry. I don't know if it's his real name or just his stage name, Charlie Starr, uh, from a from a band called Blackberry Smoke. And they're kind of like a country, like Southern rock. And they were opening, I think, for Eric Church in Toledo. Because I always wanted to try to do a good mix between the local bands and the national bands when I was doing music features for Toledo Free Press. Because I, 
both of them deserved equal coverage in my opinion you know what i mean like yeah. you want to shine a spotlight on the local bands and you also want to help you know get some press out if there's like a cool show coming through i tried to get tool but they didn't really do any interviews which i'm not really surprised yeah <laughs> but, right yeah um but but i remember he called me mark and then uh like two minutes like i don't even know if it was two minutes after we hung up like he he called me back he's like hey mike I called you Mark. Sorry, man. Like he was just like super polite and so nice. It, and it was a fun yeah. interview. So yeah, it's cool when you talk to people who are at like a, I guess you could say at sort of a fame level and they're actually nice and cool and cordial. Cause that sucks when, and oh, like I said, thankfully I've never had that happen, but I can't imagine like if, if you met somebody who you were like, you just loved growing up and like they were a jerk. That's such yeah. a bummer. Oh man, it can ruin you. Like it just, it's so like jarring, you know, to like find out that it's it's that's why they say don't meet your heroes you know it's like to 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 realize that like you know somebody you've looked up to and like especially musicians or whatever like music you have internalized and you like you can you can pinpoint the moment in your life when like that music like really meant something to you you know and like then to find out that like this person was just like a total douche like the whole time or whatever like that is like, and then the, and then of course above and beyond that, they were a douche to you specifically, you yeah. know, then you're like, <laughs> it's like it turned then, then they're like your evil ex. And it's like, burn it all. Like screw that person. I'm never <laughs> listening to this again. It's awful. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Well, before I let you go, man, and thanks again so much for the time, dude, it's, it's, great to catch up with you um and then and let's not make it another couple of years before we, we we catch up you know uh podcast or no podcast no, but um yeah. yeah um what are some of uh you mentioned the uh the devin townsend gojira opeth show what are some of the in your lifetime and i know you've seen a lot of shows but what are some of the like the top shows that you've that you've been to and who's still on your bucket list to see live? I really wish you sent me these questions beforehand so I can. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we can do we can do a part do we can do a part do. Strangely, strangely, as as you uh, as we just talked about them, so we saw Ray Ray and I actually Ray came up to Chicago. I have the uh, I have the ticket for it right here. Smashing Pumpkins, shiny and oh so bright, live at the United Center. Oh dang! Was maybe the best pumpkin show I've ever seen, and I think I've seen them like five or six times now. And maybe one of the best shows I will ever see, um, because James Eha came back with. So it was it was Billy James Eha and um, uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, but um, man, what a show! Like they just. They played forever. It was like Rush length show. Like, uh, and Foo Fighters, uh, of course, looking up to Rush, you know, play three, three and a half hour shows. But yeah. it was. It was like three, three and a half hour show of nearly every Smashing Pumpkins song you would ever want them to play um, in in a single show. Uh, they, they, they played all the hits. They played all the stuff that you were like, they're probably not going to play you know, uh, that stuff. And then they do. And you're like, oh my God, that's cool. Like, the end is the beginning is the end or something like that. You're just like, what? Oh my God, they busted that out. It's so cool. Um, is Billy a Chicago native or from Illinois? Yes. Yeah. So in, um, was it tonight, tonight? Um, uh, the city by the lake, the place where you born. 
That's he's talking about Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I think uh, Ehas from Elk Grove or something like that, which is you know just down the street from me, right here in Arlington Heights. Jimmy Chamberlain has a um, jazz uh, quartet that he plays with. He has come to Arlington Heights, my, the town that we live in, twice now in just this really tiny club. And he plays on the same drum set, a very trimmed down, but the same drum set that he played at the Pumpkins show, the Shiny and Oh So Bright tour. Uh, and to man, to just see Jimmy Chamberlain just rip it and just let go and just be like unfettered, like total like drum solo for like a while is nuts. And, uh, and, awesome. and the fact that we just walked to the venue on a nice night and it was like, I don't know, 40 people maybe is insane. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to kind of like be in the area where they're from because <laughs> you get random stuff like that. And I know, um, Billy Corgan, I believe runs or not runs, but owns a, like a tea and or a coffee shop in downtown Chicago. And our, one of the guys that I've met out here, um, Ryan, uh, had, like plays like some solo stuff. And he actually got to play at that coffee shop and actually met Billy because of it. It's been it's been crazy. So um, Chicago's been cool. I gotta say, Chicago's been pretty cool, minus the minus the prices. Um, yeah, because that stuff happens here, which is pretty nuts. You know, just that like, yeah, I could just walk down the road in my, you know, nice little sub suburban town and then like see a show like that. It's pretty nuts. That's pretty awesome. Who's still on your bucket list to see live that you haven't seen live? Uh, Radiohead is definitely up there that I've never I've never actually seen them, even though I wanted to. Um, I think, uh, yeah, just right now they're the top because uh, I've seen most of the other people that I've wanted to see. So hopefully the next record or, you know, whenever whenever the world's done ending, uh, <laughs> see them. that'll be great. <laughs> hopefully sooner rather than later. The last the last show that I saw was at was actually Alter Bridge uh, here in Nashville. And it was a, it was a great show. Uh, Clint Lowry, who's also one of my favorite guitarists of all time from Seven Dust, uh, came out yeah. with a solo record in uh, January, which you which you might actually like it because um, it's it's got kind of um, it's Clint Lowry just has an awesome voice, man. Um, his Hello Demons meet Skeleton stuff was really good when he when he got sober and wrote these really cathartic like acoustic records. I mean, they're definitely a darker vibe. It's not like an upbeat acoustic, but this was like the first. And then he did like a Call Me No One with Morgan Rose, I believe, from Seven Dust the Drummer a few years back, which was also really good. But this was like the first thing that he put out, I think, like like a full CD under just his name, kind of like in between Seven Dust albums. And um, it was just an awesome show, man. The, the venue was really cool. Um, War Memorial Auditorium. Uh, that was the last show that I saw, but um, Metallica and Machine Head and the Sword in 2009 at Joe Louis Arena in the round um, oh, was was probably the best show I've ever seen. And then Pearl Jam uh, in 2014 at the Joe was awesome, too. Kind of like what you were talking about with Pumpkins. I mean, they played for like three plus hours. They encored like two or three times. And the crazy thing was I didn't have to pay for tickets because... 
I had never, that was my first and last concert review, unless I get back into music writing. But, um, <laughs> so I was like, you know what, I'm going to shoot a shot because when I was with free press, like, you know, Detroit's an hour away for people who don't know where Toledo is like, it's an hour South of Detroit. Detroit's basically like the attic. If you're talking about a home, you know, we're the first floor Detroit's the attic, like I 75. And so I would try to like do some stories on bands. Like if they were within earshot of Detroit, like I got a chance to talk to Ray from corn again, not name dropping, just, you know, we're two dudes that love just music. Like, we're buddies. So, but, um, just but Pearl Jam played at Joe Lewis um, on the, uh, was it the Backspacer? Uh, or no, it was Lightning Bolt, the last record that just came out before Gigaton, um, yeah. which was like, they had like seven years one. in between albums. But um, but I hit up their media person. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to shoot my shot. I know they don't do interviews, but who knows? I'm like a local dude, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe they'll, and she got back to me and she was like, hey, she's like, um, She's like, they, they don't really do interviews, but if you want, I can get you like tickets to do like a, like a, you know, a show review. And I had never done a show review before. And I was like, okay. And, um, and I kind of hesitated. And then it just, it was like one of those life moments where life just like kicks you in the teeth. And it's like, dude, you are stupid. If you don't take the opportunity to do a concert review, like, you right. know, take the opportunity. And my mom, kind of how you were talking about your mom listening to dookie my mom was very into which is why i still love like 80s pop and stuff and like in in like the police and talking heads i love all that stuff duran duran all the new wave because my mom was into like the 80s stuff but anyway um she she ironically like her and my dad i think the closest they ever got to like stuff that i listened to was like pearl jam my dad had a Dishwaller record and like Collective Soul and like the yeah. Alice in Chains Unplugged, which is still probably one oh, of my yeah. favorite Unplugged albums it ever. Is. It's the best. It's the best Unplugged, period. Oh my gosh. Fighting. So great. <laughs> so great. And so my mom had Pearl Jam like in her wheelhouse growing up. So she really loves like Eddie Vedder. And um, I remember at the time I lived at the opposite end of Stearns Road and I had to get on I-75 and they live you know, right off of like right by I-75 in Michigan over the line. And I remember calling her on my way. I was like, hey, I'm going to go. If you want me to you just come by and swing by and pick you up, you want to like, I think it was like a Tuesday night. And she was like, oh, I don't know, you know, kind of long day at work or whatever. And she goes, plus, what if I can't get in? Am I just going to sit up there? And so, dude, I, I got up to Joe Lewis and I went to the will call window. They gave me two tickets and I was probably like maybe like if you're talking about like the hockey arena, yeah. the stage was on one side and I was probably maybe like three or four sections from the stage about halfway up like row 15 or something. And they gave me two tickets. They gave me a plus one. I had no idea they were going to give me a plus one. So I called my mom when I got there. I'm like, mom, you're not going to believe this. They gave me a plus one. Like, that's how cool Pearl Jam is. And she's like, I'm going to kill you. I am so mad right now, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, dude, it was seriously one of the best shows ever. They opened with um, with Release, which I love that song. It reminds me of my grandpa so much. Um, Ten is is one of my favorite records of all time. Um, solid. Oh, my God. They played Oceans. Like, they, they, played, they played, like, the hits, and they played all the stuff, like, in between. And they encored, like, two or three times. One of the best shows I've ever seen. And... Metallica is great because I love Metallica, but kind of they play they played I think for two or two and a half hours, and that was right when all the digital stuff in terms of like the digital downloads of the show were starting. So yeah. I I still have that CD of of that concert, which is really cool. 
you know. Um, but but yeah, I would say on my bucket list, and I was bummed because I was going to see it this summer. But who knows? You know, things things will get back to more normal ish. But yeah. Deftones and Gojira, Ooh. I have not seen live. I love both of them, and uh, they were going to be coming through Nashville. They had a summer tour, and then I would say Foo Fighters and Slipknot would be the other two. Um, I got to see Mastodon at the Ryman down here, which was awesome because it was like a super intimate venue. Normally, it's like more of a country venue. They call it the Mother Church because of the pews and stuff. (laughs) And to see Mastodon at the Ryman was amazing. And Bron Daler at the end of the show got up and said, guys, this is so cool. Um, uh, You know, my my grandpa, I think he said it was like my grandpa played here like in like 1956 or something. So it was it was really cool to to uh, to see Mastodon there. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a heck of a show, but yeah, Deftones and Gojira and Foo Fighters, I would say are probably the three in Slipknot, um, that I, that are still on my bucket list to see live. You got to see Slipknot live, right? Yeah. So Slipknot, uh, Lamb of God and, or maybe there wasn't a first band. Maybe it was just them. It was Lamb of God first and then Slipknot, uh, which was insane. I mean, my God, um, just the power. So yeah, saw them. We had the um, had the Gojira show with Opeth and Townsend. Uh, I did see Deftones once, but that was right after Diamond Eyes came out. Um, Great record, the Black Diamond Skies tour. So, so it was Alice in Chains, Mastodon, and Deftones. Oh my gosh, I'm wow. so jealous. Yeah, also a DTE. Um, so, but but I will tell you my heartbreak. That is the coronavirus. I had tickets to see failure. Failure is coming through town. I think they picked four or five towns to do this in. Not many, though. Or they were going to come through and do a small residency at one of the clubs here. And they would stay for three nights. And they would play front to back the, their first three records. And, of course, I had tickets to see Fantastic Planet played front to back oh and that show got canceled oh man ow (laughs) bummer it hurts oh we also had tickets to see thundercat if you know who thundercat is um uh and that's that hurt too that also got canceled or it's been postponed for like two years so of course Ticketmaster, somebody's like i'm not giving you your money (laughs) we didn't cancel the show we just rescheduled it oh yeah, of course. My big my big regret is not seeing um Chris Cornell while he was here. Yeah. Um ironically yeah. he passed and, away uh, the like the day after I saw Mastodon in twenty seventeen. Like literally the next morning I found out um that he that he that he died. But yeah, the next day was when Chris Cornell it would have been awesome to see Soundgarden and stuff. That's why I was so happy that I got a chance to see uh um pearl jam you know because you know they 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 were you know like 1991 was 10 and nirvana and alice in chains and all that you know so it's like getting the chance to um getting the chance to see them you know as an adult was cool because there's there's bands that that we've listened to um and, and just this past summer, I got to see Korn, which I had seen them before, but not with Brian Head Welch back in the band. And he's one of my favorite guitarists ever, him and Monkey from Korn. I, I love those dudes. I remember you um, talking about this book um, a while back. 
Yeah. 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 I like, read that in like a day. I couldn't like, put it down. I literally I couldn't like, put that okay. book down. Um, he lives. He lives in like the Nashville area now. Uh, um, I think most of the time. Um, but seeing seeing head back in the band, they opened with "Here to Stay," which is just one of the one of my favorite like gnarliest just groove riffs ever. Mm-hmm. But seeing uh, it was under oath. Um, this rap like I don't know if they were duo or group called Horror. Um, and it's spelled with like three nines. Um, we missed that set, unfortunately, but we saw un, uh, Under Oath, uh, then Alice in Chains and Corn were like co-headlining. So getting to see Jerry Cantrell um, live was amazing. But I'm bummed that I didn't get a chance to see Soundgarden, you know, because yeah. um, they came back with that album, what, probably like 2012 or 13 after years. Yeah. They did like an album and they went on tour um and it sold out pretty quickly because people were so jazzed that they were all kind of back together again you know that was around that time that was like they were touring i think that record when when the black diamond skies uh tour happened so yeah yeah that's good stuff um yeah man soundgarden would have been awesome to see god who doesn't love that you know that sound you know yeah so many bands are envious of that sound too you know oh man who was it was it um I, it might have been Dave Grohl, you know, who was talking about it. And like, man, we're so envious. It was just kind of like this dark Beatles sound to like everybody. Like we like we were like, how the hell do we get that? Like we want that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, that you know, too bad about that Nirvana thing that he did, you know, uh, you know, really flew under the radar and, you know, never went anywhere. You know, so <laughs> very unknown band. But, uh, you know, if only they could have gotten that sound down, maybe there would have been something. But um, yeah. And Stone Temple Pilots. That's another one that I, I would have really loved to see, to have seen Scott Weiland. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, say la vie. Yeah. Go see the shows you want to see, kids. Like, just just go. Just make the time. <laughs> Take the vacation. Do the thing. That's all we can I've say. always told people over the years, man, going to see your favorite band, it's like, it's a spiritual experience because you're enjoying that music with other people who also enjoy the music and there's something about just being there and being live and, you know, and I'll take pictures of the show just as kind of like real little remembrances and stuff right, and yeah, little mini yeah. videos here and there. But I try to just be in the moment at the show, you know what I mean? Like uh, for my birthday two years ago, Trina got tickets for Miles Kennedy when his solo uh, record came out. And it was way, way different than Alter Bridge, like singer songwriter uh, vibe and him just up there with a couple of guitars and, stripped down and he played a couple of like acoustic versions of alter bridge song but it was like his record the year of the tiger and like just being in like an intimate venue like the big arena shows are great like seeing corn at bridgestone here was sure. and alice and chains was awesome like i think alice and chains opened with them bones like right away it was just like ah, duh, 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 duh. it was just so awesome and the crowd was great because you had these old heads there you know what i mean like these old people like I shouldn't say old people, but people in like their fifties and stuff with their grandkids, like headbanging to Alice in Chains and then like the corn crowd. But like, but yeah, go see your favorite bands, man. Like, uh, definitely. Well, I'm hoping the failure thing will happen again. Cause if they come through Nashville, I would be there in a heartbeat. You know, I discovered them way later than I would have liked to have discovered them, but that's a beautiful thing about music, right? you know, it's always going to be there. Yeah. Keep your eye on it. You know, I, I know, I'm sure that they will. You know, when 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 it all lifts, I'm sure they'll want to try and do that again because they are they're They were coming out with like a, a box set of the first three records. Uh, Ken Andrews actually got 
a hold of all of the original recordings. So he went back and remixed, like remastered everything, at least the first two. I don't think they touched Fantastic Planet, but um, he went back and, you know, paid a lot of special attention uh, to them and, and put together this whole thing. So they were going to tour on that to kind of promote that. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully post this Corona thing, that will still happen. And, you know, we can go see every, you know, all of our favorite musicians again safely and happily without having to worry about it. It might take some time, but I'm sure we'll all get through it. You know, just stay strong. Yeah, Fuck man. <laughs> well, it's been great to catch up with you, Andy. Let's definitely not make it a couple of years, man. I missed you. It's it's great to to just shoot the breeze again about music and stuff. And are, are you still jamming? Are you still playing? Um, yeah, you know, I I have I I do solo stuff occasionally but um for the most of it you know we're just playing open mic nights out here i have a cover band out here um that i'm playing in right now um and it's just good fun you know really it's not it uh, the 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 dream of like becoming some sort of like a um solo artist or 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 artist in a like a uh, original capacity has kind of left me for the most part you know so it's just it's just about Getting together with some other guys and and going and playing a show and and having a good time. Kicking back what's the co- what's the name of the cover band? The name of the cover band is Pony Bang Bang. <laughs> nice. How did you guys come up with that? <laughs> uh, so so it was a band that was started with me and my girlfriend. Um, and early on during the jams, we were we were just kind of like we were still in Toledo actually when we started that um, that project, and. Uh, one night we were just texting back and forth, like really late at night. And we started to come up with this game where we would try to text each other in like some string of emojis that would be like the synopsis for a movie or something like that. (laughs) So if I like, if I like, um, texted like, uh, I can't remember what, or like a limousine, a building and like a gun or something. And like a Christmas tree, you might be like, Oh, Oh, die hard. You know, or something like that. Or like if it's just like a shark, you might be okay, well, Jaws, I get it. You know, like so it then quickly devolved into just random crap, you know, as we're trying to like trip each other up and like <laughs> so one was she just sent me a horse and two guns and I was like, um I don't black be uh pony bang bang, what is this? Like what am I supposed <laughs> to say to this? And so it just kind of stuck for some reason, because we just didn't have a name for the project. So we were like, oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Pony Bang Bang. So we'll just be that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, for people listening, man, when things get back to normal, go see Pony Bang Bang if you're in the, the greater Chicago area. Thanks. Yeah, dude, uh, it was an, it was a blast. I'm, I'm so glad we did this. And yeah, let's we don't have to make it a long form thing. Maybe we'll just do a quick phone call or shoot each other a couple texts. You know, if you hear something cool, text me. You know, yeah, like, man. Yeah, definitely stay in touch, dude. It was great to catch up with you. Thanks for giving me two hours of your night. Hopefully, your your girlfriend was cool <laughs> with yeah, that. With us. Just, at any time. Just my dog might, might, might be the ones who hate me. I gotta I gotta take them out and let them uh, do their business. But yeah, dude, stay safe, stay healthy and happy, uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep it happening. We'll, we'll stay in touch. Absolutely, man. Thanks for catching up, man. It was great talking to you, dude. Yep. Adios. All right, see you. Alrighty, Dighty, 
there you have it. That was my conversation with my buddy, Andy Langston. Andy, thank you so much for doing the show, man. It was great to catch up with you. Let's not make it another couple of years before we talk to each other. I know it's not going to be a two-hour epic music combo every time, but just uh, let's stay in touch, man. It was great to hear from you. I'm glad you and yours are are doing well, all things considered. And thank you again to everybody listening to the show. You know, again, I hope that uh, listening to this was a silver lining in your day today, wherever you are, whoever you are. Thank you for listening. As always, you can check out the show at march4th.podbean.com. You can also check it out on Apple Podcasts, multiple podcast apps, including Podcast Addict and the Podbean app. And um, yeah, man, um, again, I'm sorry I'm not more upbeat. You know, just uh, life is weird right now. And again, I'm just going to you know reiterate what I always say on every show. Keep the faith and be kind to one another. You know, my grandpa was somebody who really embodied you know, treat other people the way you want to be treated. He was somebody that that I loved very much when he was here, and uh, I still love very much. I think about him every single day. I wear his necklace every day. And so if there's any any sliver of of light I can give to anybody who's listening to this, man, it's just, um, you know, I wish you all could have met him. Truthfully, you know, um, he he was the type of man that, the type of person that you could see him talking to somebody across the room having never met him or whoever he was talking to and from a distance you know it might look like it probably looked like that was like two best friends that had known each other their whole lives talking and a lot of times with my grandpa that was somebody that he just met somebody he didn't really know that well somebody who we maybe just saw at the gym but he just had a weight with people man you know um he had a way of, of disarming people and making them feel like they could be themselves around him. And it's truly a gift. You know, it's something that, uh, you know, I try to be mindful of in my life and in the interactions that I have with other people, whether I know them or not. And, you know, we're all human. We all stumble. We all make mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he was a, a very kind, caring human, human being. And, uh, that's really what I strive to be. So those, uh, those are my words of positivity, you know, to everybody out there. It's just love each other, be good to each other. I know times are, they're sad right now. They're sickening. Um, they're crazy, really. This feels like an alternate universe, man. It really does. Truth is indeed stranger than fiction, but there's still a lot of really good people in the world. And, you know, we all just got to stick together and, you know, channel those negative, you know, thoughts, feelings into positive actions. So that's, those are my only words on everything that's happening right now, man. Um, I love all of you. Thank you for listening to this. And before I let you go, remember, keep the faith and be kind to one another. And also, Andy was kind enough when I asked him, because he's been in a lot of different bands over the years. Um, as you guys heard from Jeffrey Finch to The Grubs to Eye of Radio to Inner Sanctum, um, Andy has played with a lot of different musicians. He's multifaceted himself. Even though he's a humble dude, I'll say it for him. He's he's one of the, the most talented musicians that I know. And I asked him, I was like, yo, man, you have a song that like you want to share of all the stuff you've done over the years? Or is there anything you want to you know maybe put out there and... He was kind enough to share a personal song uh, 
that he wrote uh, kind of as a Mother's Day gift to his mom, and it's called Passing Clouds. And uh, I don't want to give too much away before you guys hear it uh, after I show my big yapper, but um, I just think lyrically it's probably something a lot of you out there can relate to right now with what's going on in the world. So it's a great song. Um, I'm, I'm very thankful that he shared it with me. So keep the faith and be kind to one another. Here is Passing Clouds from my buddy Andy Langston. Peace. Your mind. 